Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Diminishing Returns, where we will be looking at the classic 1980s modern fairy tale, Labyrinth. I am Alan, and with me, as always, is Sol. You remind me of the babe. And Calvin. (laughs) Hello, Alan. It's good to see you again. I had a little bet with myself on how long it would take to get a David Bowie impression (laughs) out out of Sol and for no one else. Um, And I I decided it would be in the intro. (laughs) I love doing David Bowie. You need to to pretend that you're going down a cobbled street on a bicycle. (laughs) And that's just David Bowie. I'm trying to physically get an impression out of me without trying, and it does work quite well from the sounds of it, Alan. <laughs> so, Alan, this was your choice. Why are we? Why are we looking? Why are we looking at this? You're the last person out of the three of us to pick some kind of uh, well, kids' film, childhood thing, <laughs> fantasy, kids' fantasy film. Yeah. Uh, mm. Well, yeah, I guess it must be something I saw in my childhood. I'm the right sort of age for it, I suppose. So. I've definitely grown up with it, but I watched it last year sometime for the first time in a long time, and I was like, "Wow, this really holds up. I really find this impressive. I think it's a great, a great film and a great modern fairy tale." So, um, and then I don't know what it was specifically. We were talking about something, and I was like, "Oh, we should, we should do this." Uh, so, uh, like, have you just heard where I'm coming from with Labyrinth? Uh, what's your guys' history with it? I, th- I think I've made it fairly clear I'm a huge David Bowie fan on the podcast. I, I don't know, have I? I? I can't remember how often it's come up, but I am. I love David Bowie. He's my favourite. So I, I have a weird relationship with this film because to a lot of people, David Bowie was the guy from Labyrinth, but I'm one of these people who liked him for his music. Uh, and, and I have a theory with Labyrinth, which is that it's one of these films, along with The Goonies and a handful of others, that... If you don't see it as a child in in a very specific few formative years, then it's kind of lost on you forever. Because I I had friends mm. at school who were obsessed with Labyrinth, and when I started getting into David Bowie, they they insisted that I watch it, and I I did, and I was sort of like, yeah. No, oh, how that, old were you? Um, fifteen, sixteen. At this ah, time right. Point. Okay. Mm. Yeah, so I missed that childhood age that I think you need to be and mm. it just seemed very like yeah I don't get it and I'm I'm coming at it from a, a place of indifference more than anything. Well I, I'm coming to it really fresh like I saw it for the first time a couple of days ago all the way through for this recording I'd never seen it before I'd wow. definitely seen bits of it and the first 10 minutes I quite vividly remember but um it, it it frightened me a lot as a child, and I couldn't sit through the first <laughs> ten minutes. Sake. Well, uh, we'll we'll get the into first those ten minutes. Is very scary though, as a girl doing prose. Uh, <laughs> she get, gets rained on. It's specifically um, the bit when she's uh, cursing away the baby, and you just get these flashes of these gremlin goblin yeah. characters and they're looking directly at the camera and that frightened me a lot they're in I, it uh, a lot more later on as well so I, well, <laughs> you yeah. probably made the best decision yeah were you a very sensitive child <laughs> oh yes yes oh, very 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 this was not also i hate the sound of babies crying and, oh well uh, yeah we can all agree with that but that that that's one of the problems I had at the start. Are we are we meant to be on Jennifer Connolly's side or not? Because oh it's yes. like, yeah, shut that baby up. It's awful. Get rid of it. <laughs> oh no 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 no. But well, I, I I didn't like her. I didn't like the baby. Um, because the first ten minutes is we meet Jennifer Connolly, who's a girl who's rehearsing Shakespeare by herself in a park with her dog. It's not Shakespeare. 
Oh, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> Who is rehearsing some sort of medieval-themed play? Uh, well, yeah, not, well, she's she's into like fantasy literature by the looks of it, and she's she she likes to hang out in the park on her own, uh, dressed mm-hmm. up in in like uh, fantasy role play gear. And uh, hang on, when I say fantasy role play gear, that that gives a different impression. Um, dressed up <laughs> as a in dressed up in a like Renaissance outfit, and mm-hmm. uh, just reads things out of a book or tries to remember them. <laughs> like she's pretty Relatable. cool. It's, pretty oh, is cool that what it was? I. I thought she was rehearsing for a play. I thought she was rehearsing. No, well, I don't know. It's not that. It's never. Well, it's not specifically explained. Well, she's just reading a book and then sort of reading out the lines. But you never get any context that she's rehearsing for a play. You can assume yeah. that if you like. But this leads into one of my first notes that I've made. That so I've never understood the dynamics in this film at all. Is Sarah? Does she know that this is all real? Is this like a, a known legend that she's messing around with at the start? Is it a fictional book notes. that was published recently? And like you can look up the author, and and it just so happens to be real by coincidence. Is is everything in her head? Like what what the fuck is going on? It's so ambiguous, but not in a not in a good way, in a very messy way. Well, yeah, I mean, she's... The book she's reading is talking about the Goblin King and all these things that end up being, you know, in, in, the, in the world that she enters. But yeah, it is a bit messy. It is like, maybe there's just like a carbon monoxide leak, and she's yeah, having hallucinations, <laughs> and then she went... But it did... <laughs> But in that sense, yeah. it, it felt very Wizard of Oz, and like she kind of goes into this fantasy world. She meets these characters as she goes along, and they help her and all this sort of stuff. And then at the end, she's like, "Oh, and you were there, and you were there, and like a dog was there, and like all this other stuff." So it's all kind of these elements that are in her world that get dropped in in some detail or other, you know? Yeah, but at the start of Wizard of Oz, Dorothy isn't rambling on about munchkins and seeing a wizard or anything. Yeah. Whereas here, <laughs> Jennifer Connelly is talking about this. Goblin King, and I'm like, is this some like big? I'm just assuming maybe American like folk tale or something. Nah, it's all made. As far as I know, it's all made up for the film. Because they just, she just talks as if I should know that when she's cursing away this baby. Oh, it's all that's shit. It's like even in like Candyman, they have to explain that you have to say (laughs) Candyman five times in the mirror for him to appear. It's like. I, yeah, it was just weird, very strange. I wonder yeah. if a lot of stuff had been cut from these first ten minutes because it felt the pace was just really mm. quick, and they'd cast like proper actors as her parents uh, who were yeah. just in like one shot, and then and they never not they it. never come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that even that is like he's just setting up that you know that she's got this stepmother uh, that she doesn't care for, who's perfectly reasonable. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah. it's just but that's what it is. It's kind of subverting the the fairy tale ideas and they're just giving a little nod to the, like the wicked stepmother and uh, yeah. and there's a lot of little fairy tale touches in this uh but yeah the the beginning well for a first start you know it's jennifer connelly uh in this who obviously she went on to much bigger things when she became an adult um oscar nominated oscar winner i can't remember um mm-hmm. but she's not that good here is she <laughs> she's <laughs> she's uh and it, I think it's more telling in that opening scene, and she's oh. kind of having to talk to herself a lot, and it doesn't play well. But to, like she is, I think she was fourteen when they made this. Like she is genuinely a child, and that helps, I think, rather than having a nineteen-year-old playing it. I think that helps. Yeah. She looks right for it, mm-hmm. um, and it, it it makes it all the creepier that uh, Jareth is sort of <laughs> seducing, vaguely <laughs> flirtatious with her. It's not very mm. vague, really. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a whole song, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. 
It's hard to tell with Bowie though. Is he is he just being flirty, or is that just his natural charisma? And <laughs> well, he he's he's a weird element. Should we should we talk about Bowie because he turns up quite soon? Mm-hmm. Yeah, surprisingly yeah. soon. Yeah, yeah, he's not that great here either. But he's also just like inherently the best thing ever because he's David Bowie, so he kind of gets away with it. Hmm. I think do, he's do you know great. I mean? like, someone who's not a professional actor by his like his trade. I think yeah. he's great. I think the first few scenes, when I was really looking for it, I, I didn't think that much of his delivery. It was just very, I'm the Goblin King, I am reading lines from a piece of paper. But then, I don't know, he, he when he's a bit more natural later on in the film, when he isn't just spouting exposition, he's actually really good. And and the fact that he's Bowie and he's just so like naturally charismatic. And yeah. Just well, yeah, he's just kind of, yeah, he's a kooky character straight away. He's yeah. Got, he's yeah. got his big, like, hair. Uh, he's got this big wig on. He's got like eye makeup on and stuff. He's he's got some like tight leggings on. You know, it's... Think, uh, he he was one of the more off-putting elements for me when I was a kid because I, you know, when you're a kid, you like to put things into boxes, and uh, I think his sort of androgynous uh, way confused me as a child. And you know, for the longest time, I thought he was. Have you ever seen planted Return- some seeds that uh, grew? Have you ever have you ever seen Return to Oz? Yes, I was. I was just about to ask you ah. about that before when I asked if you were a sensitive child. Uh, oh, because that I seemed like that something film. that would have terrified you. It did, not scare you. Was, it did, but I was all right with it. You know what it'll be? It's because that one gets scary when you're already like an hour into the film, and you're sort of like, "Well, I need to see how it ends now." Maybe that's it. I don't know. Like, well, I guess we'll talk about this more when we talk about the puppets. But I have a real aversion to puppets by. <laughs> Uh, that's why you don't like the Muppets I don't like the Muppets Um, you know but I can deal with them like they're fine I just don't get why they're a thing anyway um, yeah no I I mean I'll go with that I've never understood the appeal of the I think we're quite like closely tuned here Calvin because I've never understood what the deal is with the Muppets what what are they like (laughs) what even are they like I get it on Sesame Street but then there's this thing that adults like that's the same but i i don't know it's odd but i just yeah and i think maybe muppets are all right because they're bright and colorful but just like this and dark crystal is another uh henson film that i've never seen yeah me neither but again just the front cover of the video (laughs) terrified me there's just something about like yeah these puppets this design that's just really unappealing and ugly and scary Mm. i don't like it uh, so talking about the puppets here, I, I, I've got to say that the thing that stood out for me watching this again was how remarkably good the puppetry was and the puppets oh, that yeah. were made for it were on the whole, I thought. That's definitely a, a note I've made as well, yeah. Yeah, and, and Jim Henson really was a pioneer in, in in puppetry. You know, before him it was all wooden things and he kind of pioneered the idea of of felt puppets that could have facial expressions and so on. And yeah, I, I thought this film, its real strength was the life and character given to the little puppet people. Uh, and some of the special effects are quite remarkable. That big, um, what's that thing called, Alan? The big, massive one that's someone in the costume. Yeah, yeah. That thing 
when I was watching it, I thought nowadays this would be done with CGI and it wouldn't look as good. Yeah, I mean, mm. I, I one of my major notes, and I think something that really makes me like this film is I, I, I'm genuinely awe inspired by some of the, like when you, especially when it's these big scenes with the big dance numbers and stuff, and it's like there's loads of puppets doing all sorts of different things, and you know there's like 125 people hidden in the set somewhere, like doing puppets and or like just someone moving eyes with a remote control and all this sort of stuff. The other thing I really like about the puppets in general the design and, and production design for the whole set. Just so many different ideas, really clever things, mm. really just great characters. Like, for example, when she falls down a tunnel, all these hands grab her, and then yeah, they form really faces with, like, just great. And using so many forms of puppetry, it's such a range yeah. of different things, uh, but all so fluid, so natural. They, you, you buy into all these characters. You can see that they're hands. It's not, there's no pretense about it. But they create faces. It's it's amazing. It's really great. And I think that's what really wins me over about this film. There's a scene with the little pink things that throw their heads off. Oh, uh, was, which which looks pretty shit. But apart from I was going to say that's, that's the one bit where it goes <laughs> yeah. to pot and the special effects are appalling. But yeah, everything but, else in the film, uh, the effects are quite good. I don't doubt that the craftsmanship behind the puppets and the set design and all that is really good and... Um, there's one beautiful shot when um, the characters later on in the film where they're trapped in a house and the camera like pans all the way up the house and then the monster like breaks open the roof and just like looking into like it looks all like it's in camera it's all models but it's really impressive and well done my my problem with it is that everything is so ugly and brown and murky (laughs) and grey and I think part of the appeal of something like Alice in Wonderland or The Wizard of Oz is that you escape your drab boring life and you go into this amazing colourful fantastic world with all these eccentric creatures but this is just sepia and hideousness and I, I don't want to be in this world. I I agree that the colour palette really lets the film down, but I wouldn't call it an ugly film by any stretch of the imagination. I, I think the designs of the characters and the set design is still really quite nice, it, it, even though the colours um, perhaps could have been... Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that, to be honest. It hadn't occurred to me when I was watching it. But you're right, it is very brown and sort of colourless. But I think that is a deliberate choice. I think it is a deliberate, mm. like, um, with the anti-Wizard of Oz kind of thing. That's I think that's yeah. probably what they're doing. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and I, I just don't like that. Mm. <laughs> um, but we, we've kind of got ahead of the plot, haven't we? So she, she mm. wishes for this baby to piss off. She says, the Goblin King can have you. And and then it happens, the Goblin King, Jareth, steals her baby and she has to follow him and then there's some even more arbitrary nonsense about how she now gets 13 hours to solve the mm. labyrinth and rescue the baby. And it, it's all these rules that just have no... It's just so arbitrary. There's no mm. justification or reason behind any of it. Especially later on when Bowie just sort of goes, Oh, you've annoyed me now, so I'm going to remove a load of hours from the clock and... <laughs> and if he can do that, why is he giving her 13 hours to ruin his plan in the first place? He can do whatever he wants. Mm. Exactly! So why does he even give her a chance to defeat him? Well, he likes the, he's, he's a sportsman. <laughs> there's, there's a really nice streak of um, very classic British humour in this film, which is no doubt down to the writer who um, was one of the Pythons, wasn't he? 
Terry Jones, yeah. 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 But uh, he was only one of the writers, apparently. This is in my okay. little bit of online research that I did. He's the credited one. But, uh, yeah, apparently there were a few more that hands makes sense. that went. I think he did the first draft. Yeah, the thing, the thing I was reading was basically saying that Terry Jones wrote a particular score and Jim Henson was like, okay, that's great. I'm just going to change this, 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 this. Um, mm. And then, like, George Lucas did a draft of it and all, all this sort of stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, you say it is quite British and it, um, it was filmed in Britain, of course. And there's, uh, so that's why there's sort of very, there's these very British accents as well. <laughs> like from Jennifer Connolly in some scenes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the film really is just her kind of slowly making her way through this maze, isn't it? This weird, mm. is, it, is it called Hornswoggle? This little, what's he called? Hoggle. A Hoggle, that's his name. He's called Hoggle, and then she keeps calling him Hogwarts all the time. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it is a weird world. Like, So you've got the Goblin King, and he's got all these little goblins. But then there's all sorts of other creatures around. And then, yeah, Hoggle seems to be... hes not He doesn't look like a goblin like the rest of them. hes So he's different, I guess. But there's Ludo, who's a big sort of beast that we don't see anything else like him. Sididimus, mm. who's like a fox. <laughs> it's like yeah, this, and, and it's just a I random say... thing. I would say the point that that fox shows up is pretty much the point that the film stops dead in its tracks for me. Um, mm. I, I don't know what it is about that uh, specific moment, but it just it kind of came loses a bit, me there. It came a bit later for me, but yeah, it kind of after that, it descends into quite a lot of big battle sequence where they're attacking the goblins and they're in this little village. And and I, I did get bored with all that bit. It was just like, all right. Yeah, like, there's some crap with some old woman trying to put things... Like in her pockets or something was. Uh. Yeah, and then she she there's a, like a fantasy dream sequence where she gets drugged and like no oh. Jareth <laughs> is trying to kind of seduce yeah, her. What and stuff. the hell was that about? This yeah. is after she's been poisoned by Hoggy. What's his name again? Hog- Hoggle. Hoggle. Mm. Um, because otherwise David Bowie's gonna banish him to the eternal stink swamp or whatever that they go through which is just an excuse to have a load of farting sounds and i hated that oh, scene, i but... hated that scene yeah that farting swamp it's pathetic yeah. it was just <laughs> the, the, so gag, lame. The, the gag is oh it's making a fart noise there's not nothing else to it it's just going along stepping stones that are farting but <laughs> yeah. um so so what is that she so she is she eats the poisoned peach and then is transported into a bubble i believe <laughs> Um, and then there's some kind of masquerade ball going on, and David Bowie's singing a song and, like, skulking around the ball, and sort mm. of like, does he touch her hair at one point? Or there's definitely sort of weird moments where he's very close to her and mm. then pulls away. And Well, there's also, yeah. he's like he's the Goblin King, and he's saying, like, oh, you can be my queen, basically, in so many words. But is he, like, actually in the bubble, or is that a, a different manifestation of him that's just part of her nightmare, or like, I was... Maybe he's controlling her visions and stuff, yeah. Mm. Mm. I, I like the idea that Jareth is just, like, a human. And he, he just, he, he like, went there and realised, oh, I'm bigger than all these guys, so that means I'm the king. Mm. And could, like, kick them around a bit. <laughs> rather Because he doesn't look like a goblin, does he? No, no. Just because he's got weird hair. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that was all very confusing. And then she lands in some kind of junkyard, and I... Then yeah, I don't know. I think that that junkyard scene is when we're supposed to think that she completes her character arc. But what is it exactly? Because I was because tr- I thought they were making her so unpleasant in those first ten minutes. Like <laughs> she's like shouting at her very reasonable parents and just behaving like a spoiled brat. And then 
I don't know why. I I, I I guess that she has a very small child mentality and that this is like a, just a, you know, a coming of age thing for her. Yeah. And she just needs to grow up and quit complaining about how things are unfair and just accept that that's the way things are. I think that's the idea. She she's okay. a She's a moody, grumpy teenager. I think it's that thing of, oh, you don't appreciate your brother. Well try not having him anymore. Oh, see, now you realise the error of your ways. And... <laughs> mm, mm. Uh, okay, so what about... Um, let's talk about David Bowie a bit more. Uh, yeah. When he's actually kind of on his own with all his little goblin henchmen. This is when he really gets to play his character up. Mm. And he also gets to do some songs. Yeah, like th- this is one of the biggest disappointments of this film for me. One of the biggest letdowns is just the soundtrack. It's Yeah, I didn't like any of them. It's kind of meant to be a musical, and but there's it is three, like, three there's, songs, there's three or four songs. Yeah, only like two are proper, or three, I think, proper performed numbers that aren't just in the background. It, yeah, it's just like it's not Bowie's best work <laughs> at all. It's far, it's some pretty weak David Bowie, and like I'm, that's not to say I dislike it. But Magic Dance for me is the highlight of the film. Um, that's the one that. everybody knows, isn't it? Um. Mm. Guys, I've done a music quiz, so this this seems like a good oh, place to jump in and do that. <laughs> oh, okay. no. You're going to hate it. I was going to say, Al- Alan, you're probably going to win. Calvin's going to okay. sit there going, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about music. You're like, everyone knows I. Dance Magic Dance. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> All sounds the same to me. As it's David Bowie, and this is probably the most Bowie-ish film, I thought I'd take the opportunity to do a, a nice self-indulgent bit of Bowie for myself. Oh, God. So these are all David Bowie related songs. They're all Bowie songs, basically. Uh, can you tell me what film they are from? That, that is. Hang on, so wait, they're all songs that David Bowie has done. Uh, in one form or another, yeah. Some of them are covers of his his songs. I only know one. We'll see if it comes up. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right let's go. Oh, is it, um, do I have to say the film? Uh, yes. Is it from Inglorious Bastards? It is not from Inglorious Bastards, oh. although they did use it in that, but, uh, oh. that's, that's well, Tarantino. Surely that counts. Yeah. That, that doesn't count, it's not from yeah, Inglorious. You, you, you didn't specify, like... You said, what film is this song in? He just did it. No, I said, what yeah. song, is, what film is it from? It's from Inglorious Bastards. No, it isn't from Inglorious Bastards. Tarantino watched another film and went, oh, I like that bit from that film, I'll copy it. Is it from Cat People? It is from Cat People. (laughs) 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 Alright, point to Calvin. Is it uh, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, but I appreciate the effort. Um, That's from Moulin Rouge. Oh. It's a cover of Diamond Dogs by Beck. Is it from Moulin Rouge, or did Diamond, Beck, and Baz Luhrmann just hear it and decide to put it in their film? (laughs) That version by Beck was recorded specifically for Moulin Rouge. Uh, okay. David Bowie also did a cover of a song called Nature Boy for that film, but I don't think they used his version in the final version, so I didn't Boy. didn't go with that one. Mm. 
Anyway, next. Now that was specifically the theme of a film. And Is it when the wind blows? No, but okay. again, very good, good, uh, good guesswork there. <laughs> um, Brad Pitt's in it actually. Johnny Swade? Hmm. No. Would it would it help if I if I pointed out the the lyrics? The chorus was basically him going in this real cool world. In this the real, real cool, cool world. world. <laughs> uh, I'll give you that. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> The film's no, called. You jolly well won't. The film is called <laughs> Cool World. I don't even know that. I don't. It's it's about it's like a really bad, but I wish it was good film where Brad Pitt goes into a kind of cartoon land. Um, it's quite Roger Rabbit esque, and oh. it's not done very well. But it's a shame because a lot of money went into it and hand drawn hmm. animation and yeah. Hmm. Then the loud sound did seem to fade Came back like a slow voice on a wave of fade That weren't no DJ, that was crazy cosmic jive There's a star man waiting in the sky He'd like to come and meet us I mean, obviously that wasn't Bowie, so I'm guessing it was in something else. I'm going to guess at, like, Spaceballs. I think it's going to be in some kind of sci-fi knockoff. Uh, no, but again, I, I, I do like your thought process here, Cameron. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, it's not. No, it's it's John C. Riley. I'm going to tell you. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh really? Oh, is it, uh, is it the um, Walk Hard? It is Walk Hard. Yeah, half Very a Very well done. That's the, uh, yeah, he does Starman on his little uh, variety show he hosts briefly in the 70s, but... Mm. Yeah. Right, next. Quando as coisas do coração não consegue compreender e a mente não faz questão e nem tem forças para I mean, I'll have a guess at this one. Yeah. Uh, Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. That is correct. And I knew you'd get that because I remember you getting that when we did a pub quiz years ago together. Oh, really? No, there's a guy in it who's a, a Portuguese singer, and he's like in he's cast in the thing, but he just does like these acoustic cover versions, like in Portuguese, all the time. Yeah, like, I think he does nothing but covers of Bowie songs, from what I remember throughout. The oh, is, film. It, uh, is that right? There was certainly a lot for me to choose from. Put it that way. <laughs> Alan is winning. Uh, even not counting that that point that was dubious, he still has one more point than you, Calvin. Oh yeah, that point that was dubious, and that half a point that you gave it, that you actually gave him on a platter. Uh, fine, okay. No, even not counting that point, he's still beating. Yeah, you. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. It's all right. It's all right. I know, uh, I know uh, where you stand on this. Right. It's fine. It's fine. I mean, I get a, like an actual right. Like, I have to give two correct answers to get like one question right. But you know, Alan cannot even answer it. You just like mouth the words to him. And, yeah, that's such, all the points. Anyway, there's at I'm least one. There's at least one that I know you'll get, Calvin. When the wind blows. When the wind blows. When the wind blows. When the wind blows. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I knew we'd get there eventually. I remember it being a very odd choice of song for a film about two old people dying yes. of radiation poisoning. It's bizarre, <laughs> isn't it? And again, yeah. not Bowie's best. Uh, yeah, nicely done, Calvin. You've caught up with Alan now. You two are drawing. R- really? Yeah. <laughs> right. Next. Mm, okay. Oh, it's Labyrinth. No, it's not. It's from well, it's from Labyrinth, but I bet it's a cover for well, something I, else. I got that it was from Labyrinth, so I assumed that was that wasn't the answer to the question because <laughs> although yeah. they were a bit obvious. It's from Labyrinth. Is that the answer? <gasps> yeah. All oh, right. It is, of course, a version by Electric Six. That's, that's yeah, why yeah, I was playing. Yeah, uh, Which one of you got that? <laughs> me, me. Well, Calvin said it because I thought it was a trick question because it was so obvious. No, <laughs> so I didn't say it. <laughs> it took me until the very end of the clip to even know what it was. So I watched this film like two days ago. <laughs> That's the big song, Calvin. That's the one Calvin, you're winning, but I think Alan might have a better chance at these last few, so we'll see how it goes. Let's dance, put on your red shoes and do the blues. Dance the blues. Just dance the blues. Play the concord. the blues. Let's dance, put on your red shoes and do the... Eagle versus Shark. <laughs> yes! <laughs> well, I got it was Jermaine Clement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Straight away, I forgot that he was... <laughs> dance the blues, not do the blues. I've been giggling away <laughs> editing that clip into that. <laughs> oh, New Zealand. <laughs> uh, there's one left and, uh, yeah, it's going to be... Fingers on buzzers for this, I think. He sold his soul for a shot at fame. Catchphrase and wig and the jokes are lame. He's got no style. He's got no grace. He's banal and facile. He's a fat waste of space. Yeah, yeah. Everybody sing that last line. One. It's uh, Ricky Gervais in uh, Extras. (laughs) It's from Extras, yes. See his pot, no space. Pot, pot, pot. Classic, classic British humour, just like Labyrinth. Mm. Anyway, Alan, you won there. Four points to Calvin's two. Mm. (laughs) What were we talking about? We were in the middle of a discussion. The Labyrinth. Oh, yeah, we were talking about the music. And how, well, I didn't like any of it. (laughs) (laughs) Did you not like Dance Magic Dance, even? No. Why not? It's boring. I I felt bad for the baby, and there was all those (laughs) creatures. (laughs) I was just really uncomfortable watching a baby, like, genuinely crying in the middle of all these puppets, and it's sort of like... "Mm." Oh, I love that. Mm, I think... I'm pretty sure I told somebody once that I was the baby in (laughs) Labrador. Because I'm, like, I'm the right age for it, and I I, I think... Yeah, I've I've heard heard this anecdote before. I think I I did. <laughs> just you know, when you just lie to strangers for no reason. <laughs> well, not really, but I mean, <laughs> I just mm. found that. You know. yeah. 
Should, should we talk about the uh, the climax? I feel like we haven't because uh, she eventually gets to Jareth's castle. What even happens? I can't remember the climax. Well, I was going to ask you what happens because <laughs> it just sort of ends. Like he's singing a song and going around these steps, and they're not on the same like angle and all that sort of thing. It definitely loses its way in the second half. There's no doubt about it. But uh, <laughs> uh, well, so, how does she vanquish him? Because they're face to face, and then she's like. I don't believe in you. That's or it. Something I think she like basically that. she stops she stops giving him the power. What power? The power of voodoo. Voodoo. You do. <laughs> do what? <laughs> Remind me of the babe. <laughs> so what happens at the end of the film? Well, she defeats him in whatever way by not believing right. in him, and then she goes back to her normal life, and the baby's right. there. She's like, okay, everything's sorted. Parents will come back, and it'll be like no one will know. It'll be great, and then. She sort of has this little moment. She's looking in the mirror and her friends come back and they say, look, if you ever need us, just call. We'll be in this fantasy world. And she's like, but I need you now for a party. And then they go, yay, party. (laughs) 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 And then everyone's at the party, including people who tried to kill her previously. Well, yeah. Because they've been released from the clutches of the Goblin King. So now they're all really cool. Oh, okay. The evil despot has been defeated. Oh, right. Okay, so, but wait a minute. No, those, like, red things that were poorly CG'd into that dance <laughs> sequence, um, they took, taking the heads off and stuff, they weren't, like, his henchmen, were they? I thought they were just, like, rogue agents. They weren't like, really trying to kill her, though. They were They were just messing, they were just having a bit of a dance. Having mm. a good time. And, uh, <laughs> they, they, they pull their heads off. That's, like, something fun they do. And so they assumed she'd be able to do the same. Um, mm. And they, so they tried to pull her head off. Okay. Mm. <laughs> and we've covered most of my notes, but there is one that I made a note of that I did like. It was a bit of an attention to detail. It's when they're about to go into Jareth's castle, and there's a couple of milk bottles outside the <laughs> castle door. <laughs> really, I didn't know. And I, I thought that was a really nice little. They don't comment on it; they're just there. I, I just like the idea that yeah, there's a milkman who goes around, and <laughs> uh, I do, I do like. We haven't really talked about. It. I do like Sir Didymus. Uh, who is like this this brave Sir Knight, uh, who is actually a fox, and he has his noble steed, which is like a dog called Ambrosius. And I, <laughs> I, I I like that character. It just brings some energy into it. But I do like the fact that it's this dog, and they strap this fox puppet to a dog and have it run around. <laughs> and stuff. But then whenever they want, to, <laughs> whenever they want to get a reaction out of the dog, it's like this obviously fake puppet dog head. Like they, <laughs> yeah. they, they peek it around a corner, and it's like it's shaking its head, and then it comes back, and a dog runs out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did like that. Sir Didymus was my favorite of the well, my favorite character in the whole film, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that, that was what I quite like about this. There's all these really bizarre things. I was just thinking, who comes up with this? Who comes up with the, the wise man who's then got like a chicken thing on his head? And, or, you know, the the uh, the knockers on the door where one of them has it in his ears, one of them has it in his mouth. These really great fantastical ideas that I think work and it, it really it creates this world and embodies it. And that's, that's what I really like about it. I think you buy into this world, or I, I do at least. Hmm. I, I, I kept wishing it was just animated. <laughs> Especially when there's that old man with the uh, like the bird hat thing, mm-hmm. and they're having this whole like you know uh, talking over each other and whatever, and the old man keeps looking at the bird, and just the movements aren't quite quick enough for the comedy to work. It's just I just yeah. I think this is a rare case where I I honestly don't think I would like this film anymore had it been animated. I think the puppetry mm. 
if anything, I think it would have been a very bland, uninteresting animated film. It would have been kind of Black Cauldron-esque, and I, I think the puppetry at least gives it an extra something, a bit more energy and, and something about it that makes it distinct. There's definitely a physicality mm. to it that I really appreciate, in the same sense that it's not CGI or it's not animated. Just for a simple example, Hoggle, like, they're in a sort of prison, an oubliette, and Hoggle, like, opens the door, and it's just a cupboard, so he shuts it and then opens it at the other side, and, mm. it, and it goes out. And, like, it's all in one shot. It's all de- it's all just, like, physical effects, and it works perfectly. I don't know how they do it, but it, it's like it's like that kind of... That's screen magic, isn't it? And it's, and, and it's the same with a lot of the puppet stuff, and you see the practical elements that are working and you don't know how they do it. Anyway, um, this film didn't do very well when it was uh, first released either, but it became a, it's become quite a big cult mm. hit. I know it gets a lot of screenings now at like sort of quirkier cinemas and significant fan base. Yeah, and I, th- I think the fan base is a big part of what puts me off this film, to be honest. Because <laughs> it's, it's a very mm. specific sort of I-grew-up-in-the-80s person who... <laughs> just, like, can't look at things objectively, and, like, the best films ever made are Ghostbusters, Labyrinth, Goonies, <laughs> and... Oh, yeah. I don't know. Because yeah. I, I, I don't even dislike Labyrinth. I'm, I'm just kind of... I'm pushing back against it, because I feel like people are too... Oh, Labyrinth! Oh, it's the best! Mm. I, don't know, I, I, would, I would stand by it. Like, if I... Uh, if, if you've got a 10, 11-year-old child, show them it. I think they'll, they'll lap it up. I would never make a child watch this. <laughs> too scary, too scary. I think a, kids like being scared. They love it. I think I think 10-year-old, maybe, yeah. Maybe 10, 11, I don't know. Maybe, maybe like 8. But I think if you miss that bracket, then it just doesn't really do it. We're talking numbers. Uh, should we give our ratings? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to annoy you, Calvin. I, I give it a, a 7. And it's a very low 7. It's not annoying me. It's fine. <laughs> oh, I thought this was going to be one where I say a 7 and you go, Oh, what? You've been sat here slagging it off and you're giving it a 7. I'm surprised, yeah, because I, I felt like we were on the same wavelength. And well, I, I, now it, I'm, it's a I very messy... It doesn't have to be that great to get a 7 with me. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm senior 7s. I guess I'll go next. I, I think it's going to be a 4... I, I can't deny the uh, the artistry and the talent of the people making these puppets and these sets and stuff, but just the whole art direction was so drab and dull and ugly. And I just I did I didn't enjoy watching it for that reason because everything is hideous. Everything is absolutely the ugliest thing I've. But it's supposed to. It's an ugly world. That's that's the whole point. Yeah, I yeah, and I get that, but I don't like that. Um, I'm going to give it an 8. Yeah, that's fair. Mm. Which I think is probably representative of what I've said. I think Calvin's 4 is fair as well. I, I think, I think this will average out to be a very fair score. So. <laughs> okay. So, um, they never made a sequel. From what I understand from my research, there was a sequel comic book. <laughs> But yeah, um, I guess it might be a bit impossible to, or a thankless task rather, to try and do a sequel without the involvement of David Bowie. Yeah. And it's kind of well, thing I, people this get is, riled up about. This is a question I want to ask. Like, if you were going to do this now, who is the David Bowie of today? Like, who would you get? I can tell you who, who the studio executives would get in. Go on. And it wouldn't be good. Lady Gaga. <laughs> no, Jared Leto. <laughs> oh. You know what? You're right. <laughs> yeah, that's spot on, actually. <laughs> 
Lady Gaga would be a good shout, actually, though. Like, if someone was going to do a decent job of it, I think she might. I don't know. I, although she's not a very good actor, that's the different. That's the problem. Yeah, <laughs> I think when when that uh, she's doing that film with Bradley Cooper that's coming out later this year. I guess that'll be the deciding. She factor, anyway. she basically did a labyrinth thing. Anyway, she did um, Lady Gaga and the Muppets Christmas special or something. If you've ever seen oh God, that, yeah. <laughs> in which she yeah, even that even <laughs> as much as I love Lady Gaga, I'm just I just don't like puppets. <laughs> Get it? Elton John maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I'd yeah, love that, actually. Well, actually, you, have you seen Kingsman 2? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the... Have you seen Labyrinth? Bowie's not a great actor. <laughs> what are you talking about? Nothing. Tra-la-la. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I've had an idea. Mm. I've had a thought. Oh, okay. Because you know the, the word, where the word Labyrinth comes from? It's from the uh, story of the Minotaur. The Minotaur, yes. Which is the story of... Oh, who is it who has to face the Minotaur? Perseus or something like that. I was waiting for a Minotaur in this film. Anyway. But that's it. So we're missing the Minotaur. So I think that's a great setup for a sequel. It's called, you know, Labyrinth the Minotaur. The Minotaur can be like the bad guy in the center Mm. of it all. You get like Ron Perlman to play it. (laughs) And then (laughs) a Minotaur, just in case anyone doesn't know, is like a kind of half man, half bull. I think it's just body of a man, head of a bull in Greek, Mm. classical Greek mythology. I think, you know, a god shags a bull and then this is what's born. Something like that. Anyway, and he gets put at the center of a labyrinth, and then someone has to... Uh, Theseus. It's Theseus who uh, kills him. So mm. Theseus has to go into the labyrinth. All right, I'm going I'm going from memory from a, when my, you know, 11-year-old doing Greek, Greek, Greek uh, classical uh, mythology stuff. Like, this minotaur lives in the middle of the labyrinth, and no one's ever been in there and come out again. But he has to go in to rescue a lady or something like that. And so the trick they use is just like to roll a ball of string. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like tie yes. a ball of string at yeah, one end yeah, and then yeah, yeah, like, yeah. so they that keeps track of where he's been and, like, and they can follow the string back mm. to get out, which I don't know if it's particularly like clever. <laughs> like that's obviously that would be day one. It's better than breadcrumbs. So I'm thinking we could work that out. You could, you know, Greek mythology is just fairy tale nonsense anyway. And, but I do like, mm. I like the idea of rather than killing a minotaur at the end, it's like in a kind of Beauty and the Beast way, you find out that he's just an oppressed put th- thing that's been cast aside into this labyrinth rather than, you know, he, and he's just angry at the world rather than being a bad guy. And so your ending, mm. your ending is like they kind of come, come to peace with the minotaur mm. and then they go out and mm. kill, kill the king who's his, dad or something like that the one who put him there i did wonder if they were going to do something like that with hoggle in uh this film in uh, labyrinth because uh they there's a couple of points where they make reference to turning into a prince or something uh and i wondered if that was set up for later on where he was actually going to be a 14 year old boy <laughs> jennifer lawrence could take back to reality with her but they didn't um, but yeah yeah no, that makes sense your pitch alan it's, that's your structure right there. I like. I mean, I yeah. I prefer the family friendly version where the Minotaur is like the good guy at the end, and then you can have like this the sort of third act where they come out of the labyrinth and work together to defeat the oppressive king or whoever it is. Played by Elton John, Keith Richards. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm intrigued as to how we are approaching the effects for this, because um, mm. labyrinth. Labyrinth feels like it's very consciously using puppets to just feel kind of Jim Henson-y and whimsical, but I think it's largely just that was the best 
version of of making those effects a reality that they could come up with at the time. Yeah, you've got to go more realistic these days, I think. Yeah, you CGI and all that. Well, do you? I don't know. Is, is Labyrinth's appeal not that it is this kind of Muppet show film? I, I don't know. Yeah, I think much like how they brought the puppet Yoda back for uh, The Last Jedi, I think I think you'd piss off the fan base if you didn't have puppets in this. Yeah, I think puppets with CG enhancement would have to be the way to go. On the other yeah. hand, that puppet Yoda looked really shit in Last Jedi, so a whole film of that instead of just like a quick cameo might be a bit much. It might not work as well. Mm. <laughs> what about music then? Is this going to be a musical or have three songs um, in there that yeah. don't really... Phil Collins will write the music. <laughs> oh god, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is going to be terrible. <laughs> uh, oh, can we get Angela Lansbury in this at some point? Yeah, yeah, why not? Like, get Kelsey Grammer in as well. <laughs> yeah. David Hyde Pierce. Oh, he can be the, he can be the Minotaur, the Minotaur. <laughs> Kelsey Grammer? Yeah, he'd be a great Minotaur, don't you think? That's because of his X-Men role. You think, no, no, I'm thinking of Tim Curry in Legend when he's done up like the devil. Imagine that on, <laughs> yes. on oh. Kelsey Grammer. But yeah, they all the time they're going through this labyrinth, they're scared of the Minotaur, but we don't see the Minotaur. And they come across other mm-hmm. little things that they have to deal with, other challenges, other creatures. And they finally get to the Minotaur, and it's like this plush kind of uh, Edwardian uh, drawing room and he's sat there with a pipe uh, playing chess, listening to classical music. He's like, oh, hello. I wasn't expecting you. I I could swear like an episode of Animaniacs or something did this exact (laughs) thing. This exact joke. You might be right, actually. I, I could swear I've seen this somewhere. So you're happy with the Kelsey Grammer pitch there? Kelsey Grammer's the Minotaur. Someone does some songs. Lady Gaga or, or Keith Richards. Someone will do it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I think it should just be a council of uh, aged musicians <laughs> yeah. like Elton John and Keith Richard, Paul McCartney, Madonna. Oh, is uh, what's her name still around? Um, White Cliffs of Dover. What's her name? Vera She's still alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Get her in. Brilliant. She's played by Angela Lansbury. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did and you'd like to get involved in the discussion, then feel free. You can contact us on Facebook, that's facebook.com forward slash Diminishing Returns Podcast, Twitter at DimReturnsPod, and of course there's our very own website, DimReturns.com. If you are more of a listener than a talker, then please do carry on, and you can join us next week as we cover Deadpool. <laughs>